Hmm. So you should see me. I should see you on LinkedIn? You should see me on Instagram. Sorry, Instagram, yeah. Hold on, let me uh R A K All right, so now I just click the live button too. Mm-hmm. Oh no, go to my, you're going to go to my live. You're gonna, I am so at your live. My, okay. I don't see you. So send a request to be in your live video. Yes, do that. Oh, it looks like there's a slight delay. Interesting. Mm. Hello. I got you. Yep. Okay. Now, where should I hear you from? These? So, yeah, it's sometimes it's best to just hear me on Instagram. Um, but we'll talk directly through Zoom, if that makes sense. So mute your, you're just going to mute your speaker on your computer. So mute my speaker. Mm -hmm. And then. Okay. It's done. Hey, webinar people, we're going to start. Well, I can't hear you. Very shortly. Um. All right, I got you now. Okay. Can I, do I have to go uh, the long way or can I go sideways? You have to go the long way, the portrait way. I have to go portrait way? Yeah. All right, hold on, I gotta adjust my stand. I have no idea why. You're right, this is the interesting okay. part. Right, this is the interesting part. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And give me a moment, because I'm All right, now I got to get this height. Sorry, I shouldn't say anything bad. <laughs> Just trying to find a way to make sure that my stands don't fault my, my, uh, I'm going to let the people know what we're doing here. Okay. This is for the win. This is a daily Monday through Friday conversation with really amazing oh, leaders and pioneers in the game. I'm really, really excited because today we have someone I have known for far too long. Um, far too long? <laughs> <laughs> it should be not long enough. Not, not long, not long enough. enough. Not long enough. <laughs> um, and someone that's been a part of the tech community and the black and tech community um, in a pioneering way since I've known him. Aaron Saunders, thank you for being here. Thank you. For in the comfort of your home. <laughs> Tell these amazing people who you are. My name is Aaron Saunders. As uh, Rakia said, I've been here in the DC tech ecosystem for about 10 years. Um, I first came in as a developer working at uh, technology companies, doing some government contracting work. And then about 10 years ago, I decided to start my own software development firm, Clearly Innovative Inc. Uh, with the intentional focus on allowing more black and brown folks to get into the tech industry. Um, one of these, Am I there? All right, I'm back in. Can you hear me? Yes. I'm gone.
Okay. I'll reset it, Aaron, but feel free to keep, keep chatting. Okay. Oh, you can still hear me? I can hear you through Zoom. But then I'm also, I'm, I'm bringing you back in oh, the Instagram. Oh, but they can't hear me here. Oh, here we go. Now we're back. Yeah. You'll start sharing the live video soon. Oh, here we go. All right. So, um, Tech background started my company about 10 years ago with the focus on getting more black and brown folks into tech. We, um, I wasn't, I wasn't, let's say, uh, the, it, my focus wasn't to start and build the kind of a business. It was like, I like to write code. I want to help uh, folks. So we started a consulting firm. We found po people that didn't have computer science degrees that wanted to get into tech. Um, we basically were running an apprenticeship program, training people um, how to build uh, mobile, mobile apps and websites. Um, ventured into youth education. We got a, a chance to run a program at Howard University Middle School for Math and Science, which got us into kind of the education space. And then kind of where we are now is um, through the work we were doing at uh, Howard University Middle School for Math and Science, we got some press. We responded to JP Morgan's Mission Main Street, won a $100,000 grant, started looking for a location to um, do our technology training, do our education work, and really just support entrepreneurs in DC, and had the opportunity to respond to run um, a project at that time, which was focused on increasing um, access to resources for under-resourced entrepreneurs in the DC region. Uh, we won. That project now is called um, Inclusive Innovation Incubator, uh, 8,000 square foot co-working innovation space on Georgia Avenue in Shaw. And uh, that's where we are now. It, when you first started everything that you just told us, what was the first, what was your first step? Like, what's the first thing you thought you wanted to be? Did you just wanted to be mobile app? The first thing I wanted to do was just like, I had recently gone through, so this is kind of the personal stuff, how I ended up where I was. So I, I had, I was working for, at that time, a company, called register.com. And I was managing a large team. I was a senior architect, things are well, but I had recently had a son and I was co-parenting. <laughs> so, which meant I had my son sometimes and his mother had him, had him other times. Um, the challenge was that the work expected me to basically be on call, <laughs> right? Um, and they expected me to work as if I didn't have a family. Um, and I did have a family and it just started to become a conflict. Um, I lived in, at that time, I lived in um, Falls Church and my job was in Columbia, Maryland. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's far. Yeah, 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 that's far. I eventually did move to DC, but my job still was in Columbia, Maryland. But I mean, anyone who has kids knows something goes wrong, you got to run. Um, and the, it just became a challenge for me. And so I left. And I started doing government contracting and I got burned in government contracting. And then I decided to just do what I enjoy doing, which is writing software. And so it was just myself and another gentleman, Quasi Fry. Remember Quasi from way back when? Yeah. Yes. We, um, we just started Clearly Innovative. And the whole idea was just to build software um, and kind of have a positive impact on on folks here in, in the area. It wasn't really to, like all this other stuff just came along the way. And uh, it's been an interesting journey of ups and downs. And was this really what I wanted to do? Was this really what I was supposed to do? And then at some point you're just like, but this is where I am. So there must be a reason, a purpose. So let's just roll with it. In those moments though, how do you, you you've been someone that, um, I've even looked at and said, why are you putting yourself through this for the culture? This is what I'm supposed to do? <laughs> it's just, it was a lot. Every, in everything you do, there's always an underlying requirement that we're going to do something for the culture and it's going to benefit the culture right. and we get to do this other thing. And I, there's been multiple meetings we have had where I've been like, no. No, you're like hell to the no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, it's, what is that? Yeah. I'll, part of what, what it is, is that um, 
one of the things I always say to myself is, you know, one day my son looks at me or my daughter or my family looks at me and says, well, what the fuck have you done? Right. Um, I want to always be able to say that I've done something. The flip side of it is um, my business advisor always tells me, um, Aaron, you're not a philanthropist. <laughs> She's like, make your money, then you can be a philanthropist. And that's kind of the constant struggle that I go through is, you know, am I being a good parent? Am I being a good husband? Am I taking care of my family appropriately? Am I putting, they should be first above all this other stuff. And kind of that's the internal struggle that I go through. Um, even now, like with us being at home, you know, I was telling my wife the other day, you know, there's days I feel bad because I feel like, am I being a good parent because I'm, I have to work, but my daughter's upstairs struggling with her schoolwork, right? So am I being a shitty father because I'm not up there helping her? Or should I be down here focusing on, you know, my job and my company so that I can continue to provide and support my family, right? So the, those, so that's kind of at the, at the micro level, but at the larger level, it's just like, you, I'm good at what I do, right? I am very good at writing software. I'm very good at understanding clients' issues and figuring out how to convert them. I've figured out how to be, you know, socially comfortable with interacting with clients to understand their needs and build it. Um, and it's like, it helped me accomplish a lot of things in my life. And I want to see, I know there's other people like me out there who just don't have anyone to show them the way to support them, to give them the encouragement that they need when things are bad. And so to me, it's, this is something I also struggled with my business coach was there was this sense of like, if I'm just like, fuck you all figured out yourself, am I being selfish? Right. If you have something and the ability to help others and you choose not to, are you being selfish? And that's something that I struggle with too, but it is what it is. <laughs> oh, you're just one big teddy bear. Uh, don't tell nobody. Hopefully we ain't got that many people on yet. <laughs> No, like, like the other day I saw on Twitter, these guys were, there was this whole tweet storm about how much money they're making as developers. Mm. And I'm watching this tweet storm. It gets like, like thousands of likes and retweets. And I'm like, there are literally people going to food banks to eat. And you guys got nothing better to do on Twitter than talk about how much money y'all are making? Yeah. Like, is that really where we are? What do you say to the entrepreneur and the startup person that's, you know, because there's that moment in that entrepreneur journey, maybe they're, they're one year in and it is, it becomes all about the money. It becomes about those account payables. You can't wait to tell mm. people how much you earn that quarter. And I, I do think the more veteran, you know, the entrepreneur turned business owners, mm. look at those people. I know I do at times and, and kind of scuff with like, oh, you haven't learned yet. You haven't learned yet. They will, they will learn. Everyone's going to hit a rough patch, right? And I mean, you're probably better with numbers than I am. Like how many small businesses fail a year? Like mm. how many small business actually make it to four years, five years, six years? Right? Not many. I mean, yeah, I think it's a 15% success rate within I mean, five years. We've been around in this ecosystem for a while. Right. There have been a lot of folks come through here talking this talk, getting the press, right? Yeah. Getting all the love, a lot of flash. But it's like, I mean, the one piece of advice to kind of circle back to your question is it's all about staying alive long enough for when that big opportunity comes for you to come to push through. And that's what it is. And it's usually the quiet, chill, you know, companies that nobody's paying attention to that's not all over Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, not on all the panels, not out there, that the, the entrepreneurs just grinding away, grinding away. And then one day you read this article and they just broke through. Right? Yeah. It's true. So I remember there was a networking something in DC I was at, and there was a fellow entrepreneur of sorts and we were the same age, but this particular one had just kind of just started, but was killing it, right? Mm -hmm. Just it's on the Google things and just on the articles and doing all the, the, the things. And we're at the, the party and she came to me and she said, you need to get on this. You need to do your class and you need to get your Instagram going and where's your Twitter at? And 
you need to be on this panel on this panel. And I looked at her and I said, you know, I'm very aware with where I plan to go. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm. And I don't, those particular things don't have much to do with my vision of where I'm trying to go. That panel is not going to change that, make that billion dollar milestone I'm trying to make. That panel ain't going to do nothing for me. But, but honing in on my craft and, and focusing on where I'm going is, is what will get me there. But I don't know if people, my, my excuse of that is sometimes founders don't have the trust in themselves to say that they're going to be around long enough. I, I wonder if entrepreneurs even ask themselves how long they plan on doing that. I know I have a lot of clients that come to me and I have to ask them, is this the rest of your life mm. or is this a two year acquisition plan? And I, I can, I probably more often than not, I usually hear no one's ever asked me that question before. And my response is, how come you haven't asked it? Yeah. You should ask yourself before you even started the journey. Yeah. But they don't. I think what is that, that? I think part of it is that there's this, the question is, I think people start to fall in love with the, with the, um, attention and excitement around being an entrepreneur and not really the actual work of being an entrepreneur. Right. And so I can go sit on a bunch of panels and I can put on, on all over social media, look at all the panels that I've been on. Um, but how's your business doing? You know, what's your growth? You know, what's your, what's your plan to kind of like, are, are, is your plan to be a speaker? <laughs> right. I mean, there are people who have made a pretty good business out of being on panels. <laughs> and, 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 let, and, let's be, and let's be very specific about, there's been very, about being the black or brown person or the woman, the go-to for entrepreneurship in certain regions. Right? How <laughs> you have that look, because you know what I'm talking about, right? Right? So it's like, I start my business, I get the buzz, and then I transition to being a panelist talking about it. Okay. And then what happened? I'm missing the invoice. I'm not, I, I, I'm don't, not I don't know it. how it ends. Okay. I mean, I literally don't know how it ends, but you know, I've been in DC long enough to see it. I've seen some people go through the cycle. Right? Yeah. It does feel like the cycle. I do feel like we're the super seniors sometimes oh, just yeah. looking at it and be like, oh, you're not going to make it to graduation. <laughs> but I feel like I feel like I've reached that point in my career. Well, I mean, to me, it's like as long as I I still enjoy what I'm doing and I'm getting some value out of it, it's good. You know, I was talking to someone earlier and I said one of the hardest things for me with this whole lockdown is missing the interaction with the entrepreneurs. Because um, I don't have, like you have clients that you work with regularly, right? I had, you know, I most people don't know it. I would take walk-ins at I3. Like folks wow. would just like show up and say, hey, my friend told me that Aaron knows this stuff about tech and I have this idea for a mobile app and I just want to know if I can meet with him. <laughs> right? And I would take a couple of those meetings a week every now and then just to kind of see like what's going on, what's in people's mind. And then also, like you said with your client, to ask them to ask the hard questions that they probably haven't even asked themselves. Um, and also just to get a feel for kind of like what's going on out there and like what should we be focusing on in IN3? Like what type of programming do people need? Um, we just finished our Grow and Glow program. Oh, last year when we did our N3 Labs program, um, it, it was something that always bothered me. So when I go to pitch competitions, I very rarely hear anybody ask about numbers. It's just like numbers don't matter. <laughs> like actually, sometimes like monetization doesn't matter. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. That sounds like a great idea. You pitch really well. You win, right? <laughs> yes. Um, but through N3 Labs, we found that, you know, the focus on even just the basics of like, what's your budget, right? Like, how much money do you need to build this? How much money do you need to pay for staff? Um, like, a lot, we found that those, those don't rise to the top, like you said, of what's my Facebook, Twitter, Instagram page look like, <laughs> right? It's, it's like, hey, how about understanding a little bit of finances, right? I'm like, I'm not saying you need to be a genius. Like, even if you just get a spreadsheet and just write some numbers in, this is what my salary, this is my rent, 
This is what my legal, like just the basics. A lot of folks don't even start there. And as you mentioned earlier, we've, we even found a lot of the people that applied who've been quote, running a business don't have a license, like haven't gone through that paperwork to set up their business properly. Um, yeah. I there learned the hard way. Yeah. When I started my business, I know it, and I have an MBA. I thought I was a smart guy. Um, I, I didn't put everything into, like, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get an accountant until after my third or fourth year. Right. I went to get my taxes done and my guy, that guy's like, yo, where's your profit loss state? Where's all that stuff? I'm like, yo, here's my spreadsheet. <laughs> right. I was just writing checks making sure my bank had enough money in it and just kept writing checks, right? And those are lessons learned that now when I meet with entrepreneurs, I can say, hey, these are some of the mistakes that I made. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give you the heads up. Um, unfortunately, a lot of times people don't want to hear that. Yeah. Like, they don't want to hear the grunt work. No one no. wants to hear the grunt. And I think there's, um, I think the p plug and play reality around all things we can go from a tech perspective to a business plan perspective the plug and plays that we've been giving out though were meant originally to be helpful and educational have made people feel like there's no grunt work in business development um and i think i've seen that from my perspective and i've definitely seen it from a tech perspective so yeah, yeah. it's true i want so tech and we, were, we kind of we talked about this a bit before the call that um, there still aren't a lot of really prominent African Americans taking the lead in tech. I'm not saying taking the lead in blacks in tech. I'm saying taking the lead as a pioneer and a leader in technology and development. And you're you're probably one that are that's highest at the mountaintop. Is there a responsibility for people in tech? And I'm scared of your answer. Is there a responsibility of people in tech um, to advance us to be a more prominent fixture? Um, I, I know you hear, and I still hear multiple people saying, I've never met somebody, I've never met a black woman that codes, I've never, that, that runs her own business. I've, I still, I didn't know, you know, I knew black people can do websites. I didn't know what, there was a black person out here that could build software. So I know even now I still hear that. I mean, it's, it's, it's it's a challenge because the question is like how do you make that transition from kind of me to we, right? And I think what happens is that it's it's like do you want to make it's 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 purely a sacrifice, right? You it it is a sacrifice, right? So as I mentioned to you before, we were talking about the you know I have my YouTube channel, um, which I was doing before is kind of like a side thing, but I during this time that I've been at home, I spent a lot more time on it. Specifically after I started searching around and found, like you said, there's just simply not a lot of black people. Let's put, let's put it this way. There's not a lot of content that is easily discovered on YouTube around technical topics that people of color are in. Right? So, the question is, is that because the way the algorithm is structured? Is it because people just aren't doing it? I'm like, what is the reason and why? But for me to do it, like I, I push out two pieces of content a week, a blog and a video, no, four pieces of content a week, two blogs, two videos. I do a blog post with all the videos. And that is a sacrifice because it takes time to do that, right? That I'm not getting paid for. <laughs> now I have a plan on why I'm doing it, but the plan might fail, things might change. And this is like, like no one's going to pay me back if, if it doesn't pan out. Um, but uh, writing software has been very, as they say, has been very, very good to me. <laughs> you know, it's helped me. I got to travel. I spent time in Europe with the software. I spent time in a lot of cities in the U.S. traveling, doing software. I got to write a book. I've got to be a teacher. I got to teach at Howard because of software. Um, and it's provided for my family. So writing software has been very good to me. And as I said, I believe that there are other folks out there who need to be aware of the opportunities that exist um, in this business. I mean, I, I think as, as you said, and I'm certain you know, um, also as a woman that um, the tech industry is not the most welcoming place for women. 
Um, and there are, I'm certain there are plenty of intelligent, bright women, black women that could have a flourishing career in the tech industry, but you wake up and you look around, you don't see a lot of people that look like you. You don't see a lot of content from people that look like you being, you don't see us on panels. You don't see us on videos. You don't see us in books and you're just like, I'll pass. I'll do something else. Right. And so I've been blessed that I'm at a point in my career and a point in my life where I can try to make a difference. And so I will try. I think a lot of it goes back to what you said earlier. It's just about maturity and, and not maturity in kind of like these younger people are immature maturity in that professional maturity and just life maturity. Right. So I spoke with this um, young cat from Howard once who struggled with the fact that he wanted to be an entrepreneur and he wanted to build a product, but he had a shitload of student loans, right? Um, pressure from his family to go get a job. Um, and so he had to go get a job, right? Now, as he gets older, works at his job, puts some money aside, you know, builds a safety net, right? Maybe he'll circle back around. You know, and that's what I mean by the level of maturity, right? He's at a mature place in his life where he has his own safety net. Because as you know, we don't, like a lot of us ain't got some rich uncle or cousin or friend who can kind of hook us up. If you fall, <laughs> it's a long way to the bottom, <laughs> yeah. right? So that's how I see it. Okay. We have a question in the chat from Jack. In a startup where you have a bunch of college students, mm. this is a perfect question for you. How do you create a meaningful culture in your team? So one of the things that we did that at, um, at Clearly Innovative, because we were a small company and we were a relatively flat organization, we gave a tremendous amount of responsibility to everyone on the team. Sometimes people would tell us we gave them too much responsibility <laughs> and we would take it back. Um, but I think... I think one of the things that draws people to startups and to small businesses are that they want, they want those challenges and they want to kind of see more of the business. Um, if you go to work at a large tech firm, right? Yeah. You're going to go work at a large tech firm, but you're not going to, you're going to be given a piece of a very large solution to start out with, right? You work at a smaller firm, you can like build the whole thing. You can see all aspects of the solution. I mean, not only just a technical solution, but how do you market it? How do you sell it? How do you deal with client relationships? How to do proposals? These are all things that you can get engaged in in a smaller organization. And so that's what we try to do in our organization is give people the opportunity to kind of try different things and learn different things. I will say you guys have always done that so beautifully. I've, I've marveled at the amount of youth you have been able to work with and really give them full, you know, they, they get to hold it. And they right. go on with so much. Um, I, I, it's very easy to say that people who work for you go on to really have a lot of belief in themselves. I mean, and, a, lot, a lot of it is, it's interesting you said that, a lot of it is belief in yourself. Because mm -hmm. I, I personally think that just like everything else, there's gatekeepers in the tech industry, right? And the old heads are like, I had to go through boom, boom, boom to do this. And so... You're gonna, you have to go through that. Everybody's journey is unique, right? And so I don't think there should be this kind of rigid, rigid structure that. And, and on the flip side, I think that some of these companies need to recognize that there's value in hiring some of these older folks too, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. always have to be about, I need to be the young, cool, hip company that just has all these people, you know, 35, actually 35 is probably old, but, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Yes. Or just people who have more experience, yeah. not just from a startup. I, I think every company should have someone that came from not a startup world, came from a good old fashioned corporate America, Six Sigma yep. goodness. Put some structure um, in, the, in the life. I yes. mean, when, when I, when I um, brought Denise on as my COO, that was like one of the best things for me because I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just an ideas person, right? Things fly through my head and I want to try it, <laughs> right? Um, and so she gave the structure of, you know, can we afford this? Kind of like the management and the operations part. 
um, which I always think is interesting when you talk to entrepreneurs, especially when you see sole proprietors, it's like, yo, this shit is hard, <laughs> right? Um, like, where's your team? Mm. And, you know, amongst us black people, sometimes establishing a level of trust to bring people in around you to work with you um, makes it hard to create a team. And then to me, make sometimes the inability to create a team inhibits your ability to grow and scale. Absolutely. Yeah, it is hard. I, I one, I think I can speak as a black woman. It's, it's hard to build a team. Mm. And I know I, one of my first mistakes when first trying to hire, I thought everyone worked like me. Yes. I, I, <laughs> I had no idea. I didn't have a clue <laughs> that other people worked like not as a lot. And, um, and I had to really had to look at my privilege and I had to have way too many people look at me and be like, Rikia, no one works like you because I've never, I've worked for myself since I was 19. And also it's yours. And it's mine. So they have a different mine. attitude about it. Yeah. I, I had, I struggled with that too. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that. Like I, the get it done mentality mm -hmm. is a different concept when you're talking about building your team. So you just, you have to find I don't know what the way of being is. I'm still, I'm still learning that. <laughs> so you... <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's hard because like I tell folks, just, just, just because you're a good developer doesn't mean you should start a software company. Right. Absolutely. Like you'll, you spend, you know, this, you spend so much time managing your people and managing their relationships and managing, unfortunately, their personal challenges and their life. Um, and how it impacts work um, that it's, it's like almost, I won't say it's a full-time job, but it's like, it's something that if you're not prepared to either figure out how to do it or hire someone to manage that for you, you're going to have struggles because people bring themselves to work. It just is yeah. what it is. And it's too hard for them to separate what's happening in their personal life or what's happening with their coworkers or whatever drama might be going on. Like that's your problem then. <laughs> And you've got to figure that out. People used to always say, to me, oh, why don't you just fire them? I mean, that's the answer that everybody who's never really managed a team before, that's their solution mm -hmm. to everything. Just fire them. That well, is true. You can't just fire everybody because it doesn't work. You can't. And it costs it's money. It's not as fun. It costs, it so costs much money, money to hire people. It costs money to fire people. You invest time and energy in them. And so you've got to try to figure out how to make the situation work. It just is, that's just part of your job as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. Talk about the journey between entrepreneur and moving from entrepreneur to business owner. Mm. The, when you're an entrepreneur, there's, it, it's, it's like uh, maybe they should do an Instagram thing on that. The picture of you as an entrepreneur, the picture of you as a business owner. Right? <laughs> kind of like I saw where they do like, here's your Twitter picture. Here's your Facebook. Here's your Instagram. Here's your LinkedIn. Should be one for business. But entrepreneur, there's this whole sense of kind of buzz, coolness and everything about entrepreneurship. Right. And then business, and then something like this happens. And then it's not like, who gives a shit about entrepreneurship? It's about a business owner. Like, like, how am I going to cover my payroll? How am I going to take care of my people? How am I going to cover my rent, pay my benefits, pay my, like, that's, that's the transition on to me when you start to, and that's the mature, kind of the maturity level or the maturity growth that I think you go through. Um, I think somewhere in that you need to always kind of like they say, you know, you don't want to lose the kid in yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. I think even as you mature, from kind of, as a cycle from this entrepreneurship entrepreneur to kind of this business owner to kind of this um, with more and more responsibility, I still think the challenge is how do you hold on to some of that entrepreneurial energy that got you started and got you this far, but you have to realize that sometimes that's not what's going to get you to the next place and you got to know when to let go, right? When to say, I've taken this as far as I can take it. Now I need to bring some more people in around me and I need to start to listen to other people's advice to kind of get myself to the next level. Um, it's it's kind of like the people who, as you know, we run Clearly Innovative. Um, we work with a lot of um, soft, we work with a lot of people that have great ideas for mobile solutions mm -hmm. and they come to you and ain't got no damn money. <laughs> oh Lord, yes. They broke as hell, right? And then which is okay because it's hard. 
right? It's hard. So then right. you say, hey, let's figure out how we can use some sort of cash equity. Or let's figure, oh, no, I ain't giving you any of my company. I'm like, you ain't got shit. <laughs> you have nothing but an idea. And unless you don't, so you have an idea, you have no money, you have no team. It seems, and for yeah. me, I don't know if it's been for you, but for the past year, it's been some of the best ideas I've heard. Hmm. And that's, that's the hardest part when the best idea is in the, is in the hands of someone that doesn't even, <laughs> you don't even know how to release and, it. And you don't, and you don't recognize, and that's the difference between an entrepreneur and as you transition to a business owner. Like you don't recognize part of something is better than all or nothing. Cause that's what you got now. You got a lot of nothing. You got a good idea a that there's probably a shitload of other people with the exact same idea and it's just a race to see who can execute the best. Yeah. And who's going to realize that, hey, I might be a good idea, I might be a good salesperson, a good business development person, but I need a team to put this together and I don't have any money. So I need to figure out creative ways to put this team together. Yeah. So, so let's talk about creative ways of putting things together because you are the, the founder and producer of N3, which mm -hmm. if anyone watching does not know what N3 is, it is a beautiful space um, that is on the outskirts of the Howard, outlines Howard University in DC is a premier from a real estate point of view, um, it's a great location. location. Um, and when you first started, it was just an abandoned nothing. And you had to get so many people involved, including the city to really usher into this vision of supporting founders, educating people, starting companies, creating communities, and building this beautiful space that was ran and owned by a company of color. What is your relationship with fear? Fear is a good driver. Fear is a good driver. I mean, fear drove me for the longest time, but then I finally let the fear go because I realized it was holding me back, right? So fear of failure, kept me grinding but then i realized that the fear was starting to become a constraint like another thing i spoke with my business coach about was the freedom of transparency yeah. right so sometimes you feel like you got to hold all this stuff in but you know like we have our up and down ups and downs at in3 and things have been extremely hard and i don't fucking know everything the rea the reality is that there, I don't know if there's anyone that knows the answer to how to successfully execute with what we're doing at IN3 because there aren't that many I can't, there aren't that many places in the world, period, that are trying to do this, right? And so why should I, why should I be afraid, right? So, so to me, it's like, no matter how this thing ends, like before I was like, shit, if this doesn't work, I'm a failure. Like, oh, you fuck, you, you, you're, you're a failure, <laughs> right? Like that drove me for the longest time. But after a while, I just realized, who the fuck else has done this, <laughs> right? So, and, and how do I define success, right? And I have the freedom to define the success because this is my shit, not yours, <laughs> right? You don't know what it took to do it. You don't know what I'm doing. You don't know the inside. You just see from the outside. So I could define my own success. And that the, being able to define my own success is kind of what set me free and what kind of got rid of the fear stuff, right? It's going to work or it's not going to work. People are going to come or they're not going to come. I'm going to try and I'm going to learn. And if this one doesn't work, it's not like, it's not like I'm not going to keep trying because what I have is I have four plus years in trying to figure out how to build an inclusive entrepreneurship ecosystem specifically focused on under-resourced people. That there ain't nobody else that got that shit because ain't nobody else done it yet, right? <laughs> and so that's, that's, kind of, that's what my take is now. I mean, in, in the middle of our second year, I, like, I was not there. I was in a dark place. <laughs> I mean, I, it was just frustrating that uh, there were expectations that other people had on me and how they defined success. And I, I, I became a slave to their expectations. And once I let go of that and realized that, Aaron, are you doing the best you can? Are you spending every waking moment that you have focused on how to support the entrepreneurs in this ecosystem, how to build this program, um, how to put the right team together? And once you answer the question that yes, you are, then you just let it go. I love it. I would agree with you completely. 
when you think so we kind of talked about this beginning of the call there's there's a twist of positions there's people in this in this reality right now that think that you can be doing something during this time whether you could be doing something magnificent or just something something and then there's other people saying those people need to shut up and <laughs> let us just sit here what is the position i believe it's somewhere in the middle right i believe that you need to like this is about you it's not about them they're not gonna pay your bills they're not gonna take care of your family they're not gonna make sure you're safe like so they can say whatever the hell they want you got to do what's best for you right so um I've, I've spent some time trying to learn new things, do new things, um, you know, figure out strategies for my business. But I'm also trying to, you know, figure out how to make sure that my kids are okay. Like they're like, they're going, like, here's the point. A lot of it depends upon if you're by yourself or not, <laughs> right? If you're by yourself, it's just yourself. But if you're not like, like I have two kids that live here, right? They're going through this shit with me. They're like, they haven't seen their friends in two months. They are locked down too, right? So is this, so am I supposed to be like the super entrepreneur and spend every waking moment trying to figure out how to level up my skills and scale my business and do all these things while my kids are going crazy? Because this, I mean, this is a shock to them also, right? We have no idea the impact it's going to have on kids. We have no idea the impact it's going to have on kind of the overall education system and like what's going to happen to them next. I have a nephew who's a senior this year, right? No graduation, no graduation party. I mean, he got into a school that he wants to go to, but he doesn't even like, he doesn't even know what that's going to be like, right? Like what happens to all the graduating seniors from college, graduating people from business school? Like, like it's a completely different world now. And so this idea of, you know, just hunker down and scale, growth. I'm a growth hacker. <laughs> Let's hack away. <laughs> it's like, there's got to be more. I hope right. to God there's more. <laughs> right? Yes. I think there's more, Aaron. But I, I, I love sure. <laughs> I pray, there better be more, Lord. Right. Um but I love, I love what you said. It depends on you and it's on you, but you should be doing something for you. And right. if doing something for you is reconnecting with your kid, if it's, if it's pouring back into your purpose, I don't think anybody should be working just to be working, but I, mm. I, you know, the nine to fivers I have, I'm, you know, I'm trying to find empathy. Even my team, I was like, look, just tell me what you want to do. Mm. Like go, go ahead. And I understand it's a different reality. Um, and I'd rather you all come back together with me and say, you have an idea for us to do rather than I make you, you do dictate things. It, right. Right. So I was like, no, let your brain do what it needs to do. Let it unswell, find creativity. I am a, you know, from an inventor's perspective, this is when the best ideas are born, but it's, they're born out of dormancy. They're born mm. out of you just sitting and being like, how long are we going to sit here? What if I did this? And um, so I agree with you. There's a bit of in the middle, but I do not agree with anybody just wasting their lives away, right. waiting for someone some, else to say some miracle. Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like you said, the, the situation does lend itself to, you know, once you find a, a, a peaceful place, right. It does lend itself to creativity, right. To come up with different things to do. Um, so there, there is that, but I don't think this, this, I've seen some stuff where like people are shaming you, right? You should be learning. You should be doing like, no, you should be doing what works for you. Right. And that's that. Yeah, I agree. So tell us, speaking of the things that you were doing, how can we stay connected with you? How can we learn more from you? So I'll tell you, so here's the things that we got popping now. So the big thing now is I'm uh, really pushing hard on my YouTube channel. The future is written in code where uh, I'm generating technical content for people to learn how to code. Um, my focus always has been around teaching to build something, not teaching to just learn. So uh, like even when I taught at Howard, I would tell the students, I'm, teach I'm teaching you to be successful at a hackathon. That is my primary objective, right? For you to have enough that you can go in and build something. Because the first step on any journey, as you know, Ricky, is like, that you have something to show, right? Yeah. 
And so I want to give you enough skill for that. And so most of the videos that I post are how to actually build something or a piece of something. Um, and I explain it in the video, I give out the source code for free, and then I usually write a blog post that goes along with it for free. Wow. I um, mean, it's usually tangentially related to some work that uh, we're currently working on with the client. Um, and it's usually because it was a problem I ran into, and when I Googled around, I could find a solution. <laughs> so once I found a solution, I'd put it. Now, uh, that's one thing. And the other thing is uh, we just finished up about, I guess, like two weeks ago. At, through IN3, we offer free technical training under the Futures Written in Code. Um, we had just wrapped up a Vue.js, which is a JavaScript framework. We wrapped up a class. Um, through that class, I ended up generating, right now it's about 120 pages worth of content um, as I put together the curriculum, which I'm going to put into an ebook. I'm talking with someone right now to kind of help me edit the ebook. I figure by the time we get all the way through it, it should be probably closer to 150, 175 pages. And so we're going to push that out in a features written in code brand. Um, uh, I'm looking for someone, so I don't have to do it, to teach an intro to game development course that uh, we're offering through IN3 under our, uh, it's not just a game brand. So I'm gonna hop on my gaming, you know, sandbox for a minute. Like, black folks, we, got, we gotta get on board here, <laughs> right? Billion dollar industry, billion dollar industry. Um, we consume all the content that they put out. We spend hours on our Xboxes, our Playstations, our Switches, our phones. And you look at that industry and the industry does not reflect the world. It's just as simple as that. Um, and so part what we do through, it's, it's not just a game, is we're trying to kind of shine the light on that industry um, the same way that we should have shined the light on the tech industry 15, 20 years ago, right? So what happened was now we're struggling to get a seat at the table in the tech industry. And if we don't figure it out, we're gonna be struggling to get a seat at the gaming table. Right. They said, uh, I think it was Travis Scott who was on Fortnite. Like 12 million people or some ridiculous number of people logged into Fortnite to watch a cartoon character of a real person do a concert. <laughs> right. It's just mind blowing. I was just I just sent the link to a friend of mine. This uh, this other guy has a has a nightly talk show on an Animal Crossing. Yeah, like the world is changing and we're just sitting here, once again, just taking the content in. And my point is, it's like, why can't we be creating this content, right? Um, to go back to kind of the YouTube, and like you were saying, you were talking about streaming. Like, can you name a top streamer that's a person of color? Black people don't game, black people don't stream, right? You don't from think my a pers perspective, name one, I'm, pr I'm proud to say I have a client, but from my perspective, name one streaming platform that's owned by a person of color. Yeah. But the most consumed streams come from, from if you are looking from social streams, majority mm -hmm. of social stream users are people of color. Yeah. African-Americans take up 65% of the streaming demographic is African-Americans. Mm -hmm. We're not even talking about you know, Afro-Latina, we're, we're not even, we're simply <laughs> even just African-Americans. Yeah. Right. But, but we're right. not, but, but, and it's like, and it's like, we need to wake up and realize that like we could be on the other side. Right. And so that's also what we talk about um, in, uh, it was not just a game. And so that's the other big thing we have going on. Um, the two projects that we're working on now, which have kind of been pushed forward because of kind of the COVID situation is um, in three grow, which is an, it's like a on, it's an online learning platform slash membership platform for uh, in 3DC. So the idea is that we take pieces of our uh, content from our programs that we run and we put them online um, so that people who can't physically come to the space can get access to the learning. Um, and then the goal is to kind of have it to be kind of a full-on membership platform for under-resourced entrepreneurs um, with the goal of allowing partners to then also put content on the platform to grow their base. Um, so that's that. And then the last one is, um, I haven't named it yet, but it's a, a social gaming platform uh, that we're building once again as a way to get uh, more people of color and under-resourced folks engaged in gaming. Uh, if you go to gaming events, um, they're not that diverse. 
Um, but there are diverse gamers. And so how do you find other diverse gamers? How do you create that in, environment? So what we're, we're basically what it is, it's a way for you to set up, um, for lack of a better word, meetups, tournaments, kind of recurring events online around gaming, track the data around it, have memberships. Also, you can put a paywall in front of it if you like. Um, so for example, I could go to, um, I, I could go to YMCA summer camp and say, hey, you guys can't physically be in the same place, but here's an online social platform for you to sign up kids and say every Tuesdays and Thursday, we're going to put a schedule together and you guys can play and we can kind of um, kind of keep a leaderboard and figure out ways to engage people online. Um, all of this is about a gathering data, <laughs> of course, um, and B kind of, as an on-ramp to the opportunities that exist, right? So once we get the audience, then we can start to provide information, right? I see you, what's that? I see, the, I see that look, you're like, ooh. No, I, it's fantastic, I love it. I'm just, I'm thinking about the ways you can expand upon it. I see an enterprise component there that you could, you could, we could talk about later. Yeah, we could talk about, <laughs> we could definitely talk. I mean, we, because, I mean, to me, it's purely, I mean, it goes back to what you were saying earlier. Like someone would say, Aaron, why are you telling anyone what you're doing? It's a, it's a simple execution play. Like I'm certain I'm not the only person that thought about this, but I'm halfway through writing the software, right? So once I get the software done, then the next sketch is like, you know, this is a mature business owner, right? Then I need to identify partners who can help me get people on my platform and scale yeah. it. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's about, right? You got to get people on the platform. You got to get people using it. And then that will draw the eyeballs. And so my goal is with my, with the N3 Grow app and also with the gaming app is to basically be the platform of choice, you know, for under-resourced folks, specifically black and brown folks. So as you said, you know, we skew heavily to this stuff and advertisers want that market. Everybody wants to know, right? That's, that's the goal with, that's the underlying goal of scaling N3 to N3 Nation, right? We grew a, we grew a mailing list of 8,500 people in two years of mostly diverse entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. um, I have three, imagine I had three locations of in three DC, right? And then imagine we, now we stack on top of that, the in three go grow application, right? right? So that you don't need to be at a physical location, but you get access to the same content, right? right. We have a very large list of diverse entrepreneurs. We know what content they're interested in. So we know what they're reading. We know what they're coming in the space to, right? We can do a lot with that data. Yeah. But what you also are, are showcasing, which I've, I've wanted so many people to understand is during this time, you still get to build some elements of things and you can build it in a way where it supports you know, the after. You can build yes. it in a way where it supports the deeper and bigger conversations that can happen even beyond this particular circumstance. And you do that, you've always done that very well of, you know, there's always a component that we get to build and succeed on and then other things will come. Um, so yeah. It's, it's like you said earlier, it's about the long game, right? Okay. Like I used to tell my team, cause uh, and this is some feedback I got about management. I used to ask people to do stuff. And then I try to convince them to do stuff. Um, but then at some point, it's just like, I got 20 something years of experience. I've done more shit. I've done shit longer than you've been alive. At some point, you just have to trust that I am leading you the right direction. And usually in the end, the team will come around and like, yeah, and I don't know why, you know, I question you and I don't know. But it's just like, that's that, once again, that's part of the balance of kind of managing the team is like, you don't want to always be like, just shut up and do because I told you to. Right? right, but there's some point where as someone told me once a business isn't a democracy. <laughs> right? right, at some point it's your shit, and you just need to tell people do it or go somewhere else. Yeah. It's just as simple as that. So. Yeah. Okay, we do have one more question for Jack. So I don't want um, our Zoom people. We might get cut off on Instagram, but I want to make sure we answer this question. How and when do you know for sure you have a product market fit? If you are or if you are just starting out with your service. And what are some of the ways you would recommend originally growing a brand than just starting with your service to create a strong presence in the existing market? So I guess, how do you launch 
a successful organically grown brand? And how do you know if you have a good idea? Well, I would say- I know my answer. We'll go your answer. My answer is somebody paying you, <laughs> right? Like one of the things I tell entrepreneurs I meet all the time is, and I, I'm certain you've heard it too. Well, my friend said, are your friends paying you for it? Or my girlfriend said, or my <laughs> husband said. I love it when you get the husband. If, my, if your husband thought it was a good idea, then apparently. And definitely. Just, that's it. It's that's supposed it. to be amazing. Yes. But it, to me, it, I mean, a lot of it really is simple. Is, is someone willing to pay for it? There was a, there was a thing uh, about six months ago about this woman on Instagram who had like over a million something followers and she created a t-shirt line. <laughs> and I'm sick of t-shirt lines. No, no offense. I have yeah. one. I'm, just, I'm so sick of t-shirt lines. And um, like she was all upset because it didn't sell out. She, she thought that, that people liking her shit and following her would translate to sales and it simply didn't. Right. And so the whole idea, yes, you can build out your brand. You can organically grow your brand and you can do all sorts of stuff. But at the end of the day, you need paying customers. And maybe you could use some of the customers and content from the customers and testimonials and all these other things to use to kind of grow your brand and promote it. But at the end of the day, you got to eat, right? And unless someone else is paying for it, you got to get your customers to pay for stuff. I agree. So what were you going to say? Yeah. Um, I was actually going to say, you don't know if it's a, if it's an actual market fit product market fit, if you're building something different or new, then you don't get to know, you get to just, you get to just launch it and launch it strategically. And if you launch it strategically and, and, and succinctly and lean and very lean perspective, then what you'll see is it'll create its natural, it'll create that organic natural growth because you target it and you execute it in a way where you're directly talking to your customers. But sometimes I understand now a lot of people think you have a business idea. The first thing you need is a website. You need mm -hmm. social media stuff. And, da -da -da, and it's like none of that. The first thing you need to know is who your customers are. And then from that, you say, where are they? And I, I can't tell you how many businesses I consult with that they'll come. They'll be like, look at everything on our Instagram. And we have all our social media mm -hmm. and our websites up. And I was like, yeah, but your customers are 65 plus. Mm -hmm. They're never going to see that. Right. So why did you just spend all this money in ad buys? And now you think you're a failing company and now you're going to pay. Now you have to pay me. I don't want to pay me. <laughs> and I got to show you where the 65 year olds are. And you could have probably done that yourself. But I mean, I'm happy it's to work with you. <laughs> it's funny that it's funny that you said that, because that is one of the things that I've seen very often is that people just haven't even asked that question of like, who is my customer and how do I get to my customer? When we first started Clearly Innovative and we were doing, at that point, we were just pushing really heavy on mobile. Like one of the things, it just blew my mind how much folks wanted to build websites. And I'm like, you're building websites that aren't responsive and your target audience is spending the bulk of their time on a phone. They're never gonna find your website, right? And still to this day, there are people who think that they need to go website first and they're not even making them worse. I'm like, if you're going to do it, at least make sure I can see it on the phone. If I can't see it on the phone, you just wasted your time. Right. <laughs> so yes, that would be our answer, Jack. And I have, I'm, I'm so blessed to say that I've known you for as long as I've known you. You're one of the most consistent. You're one of the most honest um, and endearing men that I know. Thank you. Um, and <laughs> I tried to be. Um, <laughs> I try. I've also had the joy of, of, of working with you and I know how, how hard you work and I know your passion and I know, um, you know, I like smart people. So I enjoy being able to just um, watch you really live in your genius and we need you. you and you're not allowed to go anywhere. The culture mm. apparently needs you mm. <laughs> and we need you with this Corona beard, by the way, please, everybody, <laughs> Gotta keep, this, like the corona beard. text Aaron Saunders and tell him this beer can never <laughs> go away. <laughs> You look the like the one. Denzel Washington of tech. <laughs> I'm so happy. The thing before was when I started Greg, it was this whole stigma of being old in tech. And I was all nervous about it. But then after I was like, F it. you know, this is who I am. You know, it's experience. Yeah. But yes, we'll, we'll chat at, we'll chat uh, offline yes. about the gaming stuff and some of the other stuff. Yes. We will reach out.
They kicked us off of Instagram. Happened? We got Instagram only goes for 45 minutes, but we're still on Zoom. Hello? Yeah. Are, can you hear me on Zoom? Yeah, what happened? Oh, Instagram only goes for 45 minutes. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. <laughs> All right, but we're still on the Zoom. We're still on the Zoom, but thank you. Thank you. So much. I really right. appreciate it. All right, you'll hear from take, me. You take care. <laughs> Bye now. Bye.